Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this presentation on nine tips to rewire your anxious brain. I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. In this presentation, we're going to start by understanding a little bit more about what anxiety is. Then we'll talk about the influence of experience and the stress response, and we'll finish up by identifying those rewiring strategies. Anxiety is an emotional label we apply to a particular set of physical reactions like rapid breathing and increased heart rate that can be triggered by a variety of things. Phys physical stress like exercise can trigger the HPA axis, which is our stress response system. Threat can also trigger the HPA axis. Our cognitions or our thoughts can also trigger this physiological reaction. If we tell ourselves there's a impending danger, then it's going to trigger that fight or flight reaction. Relationship dynamics are another example of something that can trigger a stress response. If someone starts interacting with you in a way that reminds you of an unpleasant interaction in the past, It'll trigger that memory and your brain may respond with activating that stress response system. Anxiety is an emotion. It is there to help protect us. The fight or flight system, the uh, anger and anxiety are designed to give us energy to tell us that there might be a threat, not that there is a threat. So this fight or flight system is designed to help us survive. It's designed like a fire alarm to alert us to the fact that there might be a problem. And I know I already said that, but it bears repeating. Anxiety is a feeling which may or may not be based on accurate facts. Feelings are not facts. Feelings tell us to check the facts. When you experience something that causes anxiety, your brain encodes it as a threat. So think about if you um, are walking down the street and an aggressive dog just runs up to the fence and starts barking like crazy. Well, if that's your first experience with a dog or if you felt too threatened, then your brain's going to encode that and it's going to make it really prominent. High winds are another example that I'll use throughout this presentation. We live on a farm and 
we've had occasions where the winds have gotten so high that is not that it has knocked down significant portions of our fence which not only is inconvenient but it means the animals can escape and it is not a um, cheap endeavor in order to repair the fence so whenever we have high winds there's a part of me that may get a little bit anxious that oh my gosh I hope it doesn't blow down the fence so we'll talk about how I've dealt with that over the years it's important to remember that in order to protect us your brain gives more weight or more prominently displays information about threats so instead of remembering the 15 nice dogs that you've met in your life it's going to remind you of that one aggressive dog or instead of remembering the 50 times that we had a uh, storm come through that there was no damage my brain as soon as the wind starts picking up goes to that one time well actually three times but whatever those few times that the fence blew down so probability is that nothing bad is going to happen but my brain focuses on those distressful events because it's trying to keep me safe when your brain perceives a threat based on prior experience or lack of experience so if you've never encountered a situation many times that's going to trigger a feeling of anxiety in you because your brain's like I I've got no data I don't know what to expect so it could be bad it could be good but let's just err on the side of caution and be a little anxious uh, so it triggers the HPA axis which causes your body to dump adrenaline we know that that's stimulating norepinephrine and glutamate those are also stimulating and all of those things um, work together as well as uh, your thyroid causing blood sugar to, to be dumped into the system to create that feeling of anxiety when we are anxious when our fight-or-flight system has kicked off I mentioned earlier our heart rate increases our breathing increases our GI tract says you know it's not the time to rest and digest so let's clear out the system so a lot of times we get um, stomach cramps or an uncomfortable feeling in our belly all of that is just a normal reaction to our body getting prepared in case we need to fight or flee but we assume that since we're feeling that way then there must be a problem and we'll talk about emotional reasoning in a minute when we have this physical reaction we start feeling anxious thoughts about our ability to keep ourselves safe and to cope with the situation can really affect whether it spirals and gets worse into a panic attack or we're able to cope with it so if we start feeling anxious and we believe that oh my gosh um, I'm feeling anxious this is going to be out of control I'm going to feel overwhelmed I'm powerless over these feelings then we're going to have increased anxiety which is going to cause more adrenaline more glutamate more blood sugar to be dumped because our our body's going ooh, there must be a big problem if our feel thoughts on the other hand are that of safety curiosity and empowerment hmm I'm looking around 
I recognize that I'm pretty safe and I think I can handle whatever life throws at me okay so let me get curious I wonder why I'm feeling hinky right now I wonder why I'm feeling anxious right now so let me explore it so I can figure out how to handle it that's the empowerment part well when we approach a situation like that then it promotes functional responding we can assess the situation accurately and decide is this something I need to address or can I turn on that rest and digest and down regulate my stress response all right easier said than done so when we talk about rewiring the brain it's important to start out with mindfulness and I know we talk about mindfulness a lot but it's so important when you're on autopilot then your brain is just pulling from data that it already has and not taking into account anything in the present mindfulness encourages us to become aware of things we become mindful of what I call our pacer triggers for anxiety that means our physical triggers for anxiety when I feel a particular way for example if you've got health anxiety then maybe if you have start having pain that triggers anxiety in you okay write it down what other physical sensations may trigger anxiety in you maybe when your blood sugar starts to get low you start to get really shaky and you can't necessarily differentiate that from a panic attack so you assume that if you're shaky it must mean a panic attack so write down shaky that's a trigger for anxiety um, some people tend to be more anxious uh in certain situations when they have certain feelings if they feel angry that also may trigger their anxiety in other videos we've talked about that as dirty discomfort uh, because we rarely have one isolated feeling so if we get angry we may feel anxious that people are going to get angry with us because we got angry or if we feel depressed it may trigger our anxiety that we're never going to feel any better so what feelings what affects trigger your anxiety and then cognitive what thoughts trigger your anxiety when you're having an anxious moment what are you telling yourself and sometimes you may not be aware of these right now so the first part of rewiring your brain is starting to become mindful and become aware when I'm feeling anxious what am I telling myself when I'm feeling anxious what in the environment might be triggering my anxiety in the book the body keeps the score um Vessel van der Kolk talks about how a lot of times when we've experienced trauma we may re-experience it not as a thought so much as a reaction so if there are stimuli in the environment sights sm smells sounds in the environment that remind you of a past trauma it may trigger your anxiety and you may have that anxious reaction and you don't know where it's coming from it's like oh I, I really don't like how I'm feeling and I don't know why I'm feeling anxiety I'm looking around and objectively everything's fine so it'll be important to be aware of triggers in your environment and start becoming aware of things that trigger 
reactions from the past so you can process that and recognize in the present are you safe um, and and not even necessarily related to trauma i remember uh, one of the places i worked was the walls were kind of this pukey blue green color and it felt very institutional and it felt very um depressing and overly rigid and it felt uncomfortable to be in there and i couldn't exactly tell you why and to this day i can't exactly tell you why that color paint and the the um environment in that particular building triggered that feeling but it did and i recognized that when i started when i see that color it triggers a emotional reaction in me it's not anxiety but people may have similar reactions when they see particular colors or environments and relationally what people or interpersonal behaviors trigger anxiety in you uh, maybe per particular people that you've interacted with may trigger anxiety but also people that look like those people can trigger anxiety in you and it's important to note that it could be that they look physically like that person or it could be that they are in a similar role so maybe all doctors trigger your anxiety it's important as you become more aware of your triggers to also encourage yourself to open your mind and become aware of facts in context in the present moment so i notice that when i'm in this environment i feel icky um, facts in context in the present moment is there something going on that is distressful or is it triggering a reaction from the past you know there are two completely different things another important step is what i call reducing stress sensitivity if your body machine is hyperactive hyper vigilant then you may tend to respond with anxiety more easily or more strongly than if it's not so what can we do in order to create a sense of safety and empowerment well part of it is sleep when you are sleep deprived your hpa axis becomes more active which means and remember your hpa axis is your stress response system when that system is more active then you are more likely to respond with more anxiety think about it when you're sleep deprived is it just as easy to deal with life on life's terms or do things stress you out more easily i mean i think most of us have the answer there good quality sleep is important uh, also with that recognize some of your natural rhythms in the morning there is the cortisol awakening response and that is when your cortisol your stress hormone and other uh, hormones as well as your blood sugar tend to be high your body is saying hey wake up get ready for the day that is your body's um awakening response it's not anxiety 
it's not designed to make you feel stressed out it's designed theoretically to make you feel excited but sometimes we label it differently sometimes our system is um, overly eager and it secretes too much cortisol uh, and it's important to to take a look at that so if you wake up in the morning and the first thing is you feel anxious get curious examine what thoughts am I having that are contributing to this anxiety what physical sensations did I not sleep well you know what might be contributing to this besides something that's actually threatening so sleep is important pain management is important when we're in pain that triggers that stress response system to stay more active the primitive parts of our brain say hey if we're in pain that means we're vulnerable which means we are in more danger from that hungry lion that might be chasing us manage pain you may not be able to eliminate it completely but be aware that pain may increase your anxiety uh, just because it triggers the HPA axis pain may also trigger your anxiety because of health anxiety and that's a different video but being aware of that and managing your pain can be helpful nutrition is important if you're eating a lot of simple sugars then your blood sugar is doing this and that can contribute to feelings of anxiety and jitteriness same thing with if you drink a lot of coffee uh, you can have um, surges and crashes that can feel uh, very anxiety like getting enough protein throughout the day to keep your blood sugar stable can be really really helpful and pay paying attention to insulin resistance is also important um, when we become more insulin resistant that our body has more difficulty uh, managing our blood sugar to grossly oversimplify it some people have found that um, dietary changes can help with their anxiety additionally making sure that you're getting a relatively healthy diet so your body can make the neurochemicals it needs to like GABA um, in order to moderate your anxiety can be important and then reducing minimizing eliminating if possible stimulants if you're already anxious then adding stimulants is just turning up the volume of that stress response system it's giving it more energy environmentally create safety in your environment in your house in your car in your workspace so you're not hyper vigilant so you're not on edge uh, a lot of the time turn down any unnecessary sources of distress and develop a safety plan to identify aspects within your control to respond to common threats if x happens then i will so going back to the aggressive dog if the aggressive dog charges me I will respond with pepper spray you know maybe I have pepper spray that keeps me safe when I'm on my when I when I'm on my runs or if we get a bad storm and it does blow the fence down then I will call my neighbor and I have t-posts that I can use in order to 
put the fence back up. So I have a plan that helps me feel safer. So I know that if this bad thing happens, I'm not saying that it will, but if it happens, I can cope with it. It's not going to have catastrophic consequences. Many people with anxiety get caught in the emotional reasoning trap. I feel anxious. Therefore, something bad must be getting ready to happen. Emotional reasoning causes you to seek out and focus on information that confirms your feelings. It's not necessarily confirming the facts. It confirms your feelings and it dismisses contradictory information. Uh, if you wake up and you're having feeling anxious and you say, Oh, something bad's going to happen today. It's, it's going to be an awful day. Then you're going to pay attention and you're going to notice the bad things that happen and you're not going to pay attention or notice as, as much of the good things. Another example, I feel anxious about this test. Therefore I am going to fail. So the person starts looking for confirmatory information. They're taking the test and every time they get to a question, they don't know. They're just like, see, I knew I was going to fail and they can actually create a uh, confirmation bias. They tell themselves enough that they're going to fail, that they actually do fail. Or I feel vulnerable and anxious in this relationship. Therefore, this person must intend to abandon me. So I feel anxious, maybe based on prior abandonment experiences. Therefore, I'm going to look for any clue, anything this person may do that may indicate that they're getting ready to abandon me. Now, I don't know for certain whether that's what their behavior actually means, but I'm assuming based on other people's behaviors that that that's what's going on here. So there's, we're not talking about facts. We're talking about assumptions. Examine your relationship with anxiety. And I know that sounds really weird, but anxiety is there to protect you. Think about how it has protected you in the past. And in what ways is this current anxiety maybe dysfunctional, but trying to protect you in, in the present, you know, it's sort of that, um, hyperactive or over overprotective, uh, friend that wants to make sure that you stay safe. How are you different now than you were in the past? What was dangerous or overwhelming or whatever in the past, uh, things that caused you anxiety in the past, how are you different? How can you handle them differently? How are you safer and more empowered? Or how is the situation different now in the past than in the past? Maybe in past situations, people that you dealt with were unkind or caused you distress in some way. How are these people in the present different than those people? Sometimes it, people find it helpful to treat anxiety like a nervous friend. Think of Piglet from Winnie the Pooh and set good boundaries. If your nervous friend tells you that there, there might be a problem and they're really anxious about something. Okay. Thank you for alerting me. I'll check it out. Just because they feel anxious doesn't mean you need to. 
take the information, thank them for letting you know, and then figure out for yourself what you think and what your perception of the situation is. Then be willing to explain to them why they don't need to be anxious in your perception or why you don't feel like you need to be anxious. So thank you for letting me know. However, these are the actual facts in the situation as I see them. How are you safe and empowered? If they persist, if your, your anxious friend persists in saying, no, you need to be anxious, you need to be anxious, you can also set boundaries and tell them to go home. You know, and that's where those cognitive boundaries come in. If you treat anxiety as something separate from you, as a person or an entity separate from you, then you can more easily set boundaries. It's hard to set boundaries with yourself sometimes. And consider what are you afraid will happen if you don't dwell on anxiety all the time, if you're not constantly scanning for the next shoe to drop, what are you afraid will happen? Think back to times when you haven't been anxious, moments, hours even, not necessarily days or weeks, but moments or hours when you haven't been anxious. Has something bad happened? A lot of people are afraid if they let go of their anxiety, then they're going to be caught unawares by something bad. But think about it. Times when you haven't been hypervigilant, over-anxious, when you've actually felt calm for a moment, did something bad happen and catch you unawares? A lot of times you're going to be able to say no. So rewiring the brain, develop distress tolerance tools for emotional regulation. When you are in your fight or flight mode, your cognition is impaired. You're not going to be able to effectively evaluate the situation and alter your, your brain's shortcuts, alter your brain's understanding of the situation. When you're in fight or flight, your brain is focused on just that, fight or flee, not mm, let's check it out. In order to get into the place where you can effectively evaluate what's going on and potentially rewire what's going on, you need to be able to get into what Linehan called your wise mind. Using distress tolerance tools, like distress tolerant thoughts, telling yourself that you won't be consumed by anxiety or that you are able to handle this situation. Activities like slow breathing, breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, hold for four. So that's what we call square breathing or engaging in relaxation activities or even exercise. I know that's the opposite, but sometimes when your fight or flight system is revved and dumping energy, some people find that the best way to manage that is to actually start moving their body in sync with their heart. So if their heart is beating fast, then they start moving. And then when they stop moving, their heart naturally um, decreases. They kind of get it recalibrated or resynced uh, between their, their physiological reaction and what their body is doing. Guided imagery can be helpful. 
as well as sensations like sounds and smells and even things that you feel like splashing cold water on your face and i have lots of videos on distress tolerance tools on the youtube channel so i'm not going to go into that a lot here but it's important to find tools that work for you so you can get into your wise mind and engage in using some of the following tools when you're confronted with a stressful situation and you manually override your stress response you use those distress tolerance schools tools then your brain actually says hmm wonder what's going on here i guess maybe i might not need to be nervous about this i'm not sure you manually override it you get into your wise mind you can start adjusting the beliefs and your brain also associates that anxiety formerly anxiety provoking situation with low amounts of physiological distress fcp is another technique that i really like once you're into your wise mind examine the facts in the present context i feel anxious okay that's a fact i'm mindfully aware that i feel anxious what thoughts are contributing to my feeling of anxiety what are the facts for and against those thoughts in this context at this time not when i was eight not last week not three weeks from now but right now in this context at this time what are the facts for and against my belief that there is a threat what else might be contributing to my feeling of anxiety did i have a little too much coffee in the past few hours is my blood sugar low am i under chronic stress so you know i already was like that pressure cooker that was at max capacity and this one thing that came at me normally wouldn't bother me but it's just i don't know how to deal with it i don't know that i have any more energy to deal with it so i feel overwhelmed and i feel anxious or as i mentioned earlier are there uh, sensory triggers around me right now that might be contributing to my feeling of anxiety there's no actual facts there's no actual threat in the environment but there's sensory stimuli that are triggering reactions based on prior experiences c stands for what's within your control we've already evaluated the facts we've identified what may be contributing to what's going on and if there's a threat what's within your control what can you do to address the situation and if you do what's within your control if you do what you're empowered to do what is the probability of the worst case scenario what is the probability that catastrophe is going to happen i have teenagers older children now and one example can be letting them go out and drive by themselves when they go out in the car by themselves i feel anxious yes i do what thoughts are contributing to it they could get into a wreck da, 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 da. what are the facts for and against those thoughts they have a license they are in a safe vehicle so even if they do get into a wreck it's probably not going to be catastrophic uh, 
my daughter is a very good driver and she's been driving for years and never had an accident so therefore um, what are the facts supporting my feeling my anxiety you know it do I have information that says yeah it's pretty likely that she's going to get into into an accident no I don't have that information so what is within my control with her driving with the exception of taking away her keys not a lot therefore uh, I have to rely on her being smart and I cannot control other drivers and I cannot control her uh, when she is out driving I did my best leading up to this to make sure that she was a safe driver and and again what is the probability of the worst case scenario the probability of her getting into a catastrophic car accident probably pretty small she doesn't drive on the interstates uh, we live in a very small town so there's not a whole lot of traffic you know probability of the worst case scenario is pretty slim another technique that can help in rewiring is rewriting cognitions or your thoughts in your core beliefs and I emphasize rewrite and rethinking about it is one thing but if you actually handwrite it not type it handwrite it it solidifies the new memory or the restructured memory in a different way than if you just think it or even if you type it or talk about it when you start feeling anxious write down what you're thinking and then write down a restructured version or a more accurate version of what you're thinking um, all or nothing thinking this happens every time every time there's a storm the uh, fence blows down every time uh, I get into a relationship I get abandoned uh, those are all or nothing thoughts so what are the exceptions write down the exceptions to the rule um, mental filtering and that is when you focus only on the negative so again you want to look for the positives I'm always getting in trouble at work or at school or my child is always getting in trouble at school look for the exceptions okay maybe they've gotten in trouble a lot but not always so what's different during the times when they're not getting in trouble personalization you know uh, people don't like me because I'm a bad person or people are going to abandon me because I'm not lovable what are some alternate explanations you know maybe it's because they've got stuff going on now that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to get abandoned by a person but if you personalize it if you think it's about you then you expect that henceforth and forevermore everybody's going to abandon you because you're the one that's not lovable if you look at the big picture find alternate explanations why something may have happened yes it's unfortunate and you've got to grieve that loss but you can also recognize uh, that that doesn't always have to happen 
magnification of the negative or minimization of the positive look at the facts assuming or jumping to conclusions without all of the information or mind reading get the facts you don't know what somebody's thinking if you're anxious if you feel anxious that somebody's angry with you instead of assuming that you're interpreting their nonverbals correctly or their mood correctly and it's about you ask them get the facts and availability is another thing that contributes to anxiety we tend to remember and react based on the things that are either most recent or most emotionally charged so plane crashes for example we hear about plane crashes on the news and those are devastating those are very emotionally charged when we hear about it we feel awful for those people and we may empathize and think how awful it would be to be in that plane crash we don't think about the 20,000 flights that took off that day that landed successfully so it's important to get the facts if you start thinking flying is dangerous what are the facts how many planes actually crash um driving you know how many cars actually crash how many people you know actually have problems it's important to if there's something that's making you anxious if there's something you're afraid of get all of the facts about it snakes for example you know when I was growing up a lot of people uh, talked about how snakes were dangerous and in my mind that's all I heard snakes are dangerous therefore all snakes must be dangerous and that's a false premise when I started doing the research I learned that yes there are six snakes in Tennessee that are dangerous but there are literally hundreds of other species that are not uh, so looking at the availability of information I needed to broaden my awareness of the whole picture not just the sliver of information that I was presented rewiring and retraining can also be done through experience the first step is to be willing to be open to the experience and challenge our inaccurate beliefs which means I've got to be able to look at this snake or whatever it is that's causing me anxiety use my distress tolerance skills to get into my wise mind and then examine the accuracy of my facts in the current context data collection can also be helpful write it down again handwrite whenever possible how often does this actually happen how likely is it to happen does it happen literally every single time so start keeping notes for the uh, storms I started keeping notes how frequently do we have storms and how frequently during those storms does my fence get blown down and the preponderance of the time it didn't happen uh, so it's important to get data to understand how often does this happen versus how often does it feel like it happens what are other possible outcomes and how often do they happen 
So let's take relationships and abandonment, for example, so move away from the fence. Uh, how, how, what are other possible outcomes? I get into a relationship and it works out. How often does that happen? Uh, when, how often does it happen that people get into, not necessarily just me, that other people get into relationships that they get abandoned, that other people get into relationships and it works out. It's important to recognize that how frequently you could expect something to happen and how accurate are your expectations? Do you expect a gale force wind and it's only a gentle breeze? Do you expect to fail a test? and okay you get a b minus um, what were your expectations going into it rewiring can also be done through guided imagery envision yourself successfully navigating a concern that that you're having going to the doctor or asking somebody out on a date or um, your kid going out driving and coming home safely envision the positive scenario envision the positive solution envision pr prior times when you've experienced something similar and it's gone okay remind yourself of other times when it's gone okay see that happening and repetition repeating to yourself the distress tolerant thoughts and those more accurate cognitions are really helpful at reducing anxiety so instead of saying everybody is dangerous or nobody is trustworthy repeating to yourself that some people are untrustworthy and some people are trustworthy repetition repeating it to yourself over and over again and stopping using the um, extreme or, uh, thoughts or the thoughts with the cognitive distortions that trigger your anxiety can help you approach a situation and feel more in control and empowered your brain learns from experience and uses those experiences to help you predict the future information from past experiences often only provides part of the picture that is what happened in the past it doesn't take into consideration what's going on right now when in fight or flight cognition is impaired and prior information is often unable to be modified to include new data so if you expect something to be distressful and you maintain your anxiety even if the situation ended up being no big deal your brain isn't going to process that because you were in that anxiety uh, haze if you will rewiring the brain requires learning tools to calm the stress response then identifying new information that may help you feel safer more empowered that's based in facts in the present context integrating that new information training the brain to have new expectations um, I've mentioned in other videos that when I was very very little I had a bad experience uh, with a nurse giving me a shot and from then on I was terrified of needles and 
I talked about it with my doctor one time when I was much, much older. And she said, I'm going to give you this shot. Trust me, it's not going to hurt. And every fiber of my being said, oh, she's lying. But I did trust her. And I was willing to be open to a new experience. And sure enough, she gave me the shot and it didn't hurt. So now I go into the doctor's office, different doctor now, um, and I don't automatically expect it to be painful or distressful um, because I know that it, I can get shots without having it be, be awful. So I've trained my brain to have new expectations. Now there are certain phlebotomists, for example, that you may go to and you may know from experience that they have difficulty finding a vein. So your anxiety may go up when you see that particular phlebotomist. Whereas if you see a different one uh, who gets the vein every time, you may not have any anxiety at all. And in that way, you've trained your brain to be more selective and not expect that every time you get your blood drawn, it's going to be a, a painful situation. The brain's desire for survival may cause it to cling to the distressful expectations until it is proven wrong multiple times. You can't just have this fear and then have an experience that contradicts that fear and your brain goes, oh, I was wrong. Never mind. Your brain's automatic response is to say, eh, maybe that was just an exception. Let's see if it happens again. And so it may take several repetitions of something, several times experiencing something or doing something like get public speaking or asking somebody out on a date before it doesn't trigger the extreme anxiety response. So it takes practice. What you want to look for is a reduction in the intensity of the anxiety each time you repeat it. You know, see if you feel it feels a little bit easier each time. I hope this has given you a few tools to consider exploring in rewiring your brain. Basically, what you're trying to do is reprogram your brain by providing it new information. But in order to get that new information, it can't be in fight or flight mode.